Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Tonight I will be reading from the book Imagine Heaven by John Burke, forward by Don Piper, Near-Death Experiences, God's Promises, and the Exhilarating Future That Awaits You. We're going to start off with something titled Through the Wormhole. And why would we struggle to believe in a place called heaven when science has been pointing to an unseen fifth dimension wormholes through space-time and parallel universes as a possible explanation of the mysterious ways of nature? String theory purposes, there are actually hidden dimensions beyond our three dimensions of height, width, and depth. Why then can't we conceive of heaven existing in a higher dimensional space we can't see. Science used to think of matter as solid, but we now know that the tiny atoms that make up the matter are more like invisible waves, more mind-like than particle-like. In fact, atoms are 99.999% empty space. Cambridge and Princeton physicist James Jean wrote, the stream of knowledge is heading toward a non-mechanical reality. The universe begins to look more like a great thought than a machine. Mind no longer appears to be an accidental intruder into the realm of matter. We ought rather hail it as the governor of the realm of matter. When people describe the transition From life to life, many experience leaving their bodies and observing the medical efforts from a point on the ceiling. But then many pass through a black tunnel, or in some case a colorful tunnel, or pathway that leads to this beautiful paradise like Dale Black described. I wonder if this tunnel is like a wormhole leading out of our space-time dimension into heaven's expanded dimensions all around us. Moody talks about how everyone uses a little different language to describe the passageway. Some a dark space, some an enclosure, a tunnel, a funnel, a vacuum, a void. I went through this dark black vacuum at super speed. Suddenly, I was in a very dark, very deep valley. It was as though there was a pathway, almost a road through the valley, and I was going down the path. This person recalls thinking that they finally understood the biblical reference to the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23, 4, because now he had actually experienced it. Karen, whom I personally interviewed, caught the swine flu and was dying. She told me she passed out of her body into a dark void that was not scary. It was the most peaceful, joyful experience ever. There she saw her grandmother and she realized she must return to her body. She still had to work to do on earth. Perhaps Karen and others in the dark void have not gone through the wormhole yet. What's clear for those like Dale Black who passed through, there is a world of exquisite beauty waiting on the other side, a beauty even the blind can see, unblinded beauty. 
Brad Barrows, like Vicky, had been blind since birth and had a near-death experience at the age of eight. He had never seen anything, nor did he have men- any mental concepts or pictorial images of anything. Brad lived at the Boston Center for Blind Children when severe pneumonia caused his heart to stop for four minutes. Somewhere in the middle of the night, Brad told Ken Ring, I began to become very stiff and rigid, and I was gasping for air. I really thought I was about to die. It was as if my being was slowly floating up through the room. Ring notes that Brad was close to the ceiling and could see his apparently lifeless body on the bed. He also saw his blind roommate get out of his own bed and walk out of the room to get help, a detail later confirmed by his roommate. Next, Brad discovered that he was able to pass through the second floor ceiling of his room like Vicky, soon found that he was going straight up toward the roof of the building, actually up and over it. Brad saw snow everywhere except for the streets, which had been cleared by plows. He also saw a streetcar go by and he recognized a playground used by his schoolmates and a particular hill he used to climb nearby. When Ring asked if he knew or saw these things, Brad said, I clearly visualized them. I could suddenly notice and see them. I was able to see quite clearly. Ring and Cooper, who studied 21 blind people who had near-death experiences of a kind of vision they coined mind sight, a visual perception blind near-death experiencers experience beyond normal vision. At this point, almost exactly like Vicky, Brad was aware of being pulled at approximately a 45 degree angle upward into a dark tunnel where he noticed the absence of his new found sight. When I actually got into the tunnel, I do remember the one thing that puzzled me was the lack of any color. I began to wonder if this was darkness. There was no color whatsoever. It was black, as I can understand blackness to be, but coming out into a large field, the closest I could tell you about color was that the brightness and brilliance of the whole area was absolutely indescribable. I could not distinguish fine shades of color for some reason. It's possible I could have, but I had no vocabulary to describe it. I've been told when I was very when I was a very young child of four or five that grass could be brown or green or the sky could be blue. But even then my concept of colors, my perception of colors still remain absolutely beyond my reach. I felt as if I might be entering another realm altogether, an unexplained dimension that I had very little understanding of. As Brad approached the end of the tunnel, he was aware of an immense field stretching before him for what seemed like a great distance. He also noticed huge palm trees with immense leaves and very tall grass. Brad's experience of the field reminds me of a doctor and his wife who came to our church because of their twins. One almost died at three years old. Neither parent had faith in God, nor did they ever talk about God or Jesus. Their kids had never been to church yet. As the son was being tucked into bed one night, he declared, 
I want to run through the fields and play with Jesus again. His mother was shocked and kept asking, who told you about Jesus? They surely hadn't. He insisted that Jesus came and got him from the hospital and they had ran and played in beautiful meadows together. Their son's detailed experience led his mom and dad to explore faith and eventually come to believe. Maybe it was the same field Brad walked through. When I noticed that I was walking up the field, it seemed as if I was so exhilarated and so unbelievably renewed that I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay forever where I was. It was so unbelievably peaceful that there's no way that I could describe the peace and the tranquility and the calm. The weather was absolutely perfect in terms of temperature and humidity. It was so fresh, so unbelievably fresh that the mountain air on earth could not even come close. A blind person would notice non-visual environs most. There was tremendous light up there. It seemed to come from every direction. It was all around and everywhere that I happened to be looking. It seemed like everything, even the grass I had been stepping on, seemed to soak in that light. It seemed like light could actually penetrate through everything that was there, even the leaves on the tree. There was no shade. There was no need for shade. At first, I was taken aback by it. I did not understand what sensation I was experiencing. While I was moving through this particular field, I seemed to accept it very readily. I felt like I wouldn't understand it if it had happened on earth. But where I was, I was able to accept it almost immediately. Like Vicki, Dale, Marv, and many others, Brad notices light, which he felt like love, coming out of the grass and the leaves. I find it fascinating that they all describe the same intriguing way that God's light comes out of nature But how would blind people get that idea? They would never have heard people talking about light coming out of grass and trees. Like Vicki and others, Brad also becomes aware of thousands of voices singing. I remember thinking that the voices seemed to be singing in a language I had never understood, or maybe many, many languages. The music I had heard was nothing like I have ever experienced But this time I was getting closer to the music and being absolutely fascinated by it. I wanted to join in with the music. It was absolutely precious. Within a very short amount of time, and I had no idea how much time had actually elapsed, but as I was going up the hill, I came to a large stone structure. I could tell that it was stone without even touching it. They were almost like gemstones. They seem to literally shine with their own particular light, yet the light itself was actually penetrating right through the stones. Jesus' youngest disciple, John, had a vision of heaven recorded in Revelation. Brad is describing the great wall and the beauty surrounding the city that John wrote about, and the angel carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as a crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates. 
The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The city does not need the sun nor the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Revelation 21.10 I used to think the scriptures in Revelation were purely metaphorical. While I still think much is symbolic, when so many near-death experiencers, even blind ones, describe the same supernatural beauty John described, you have to wonder if it's true. Imagine how awesome, how intriguingly beautiful, how much like earth heaven will feel. And yet, so much more alive. All of it vibrant, colorful, infused with the very light and life of God permeating everything. Meadows, grass, and trees. A colorblind British near-death experiencer suddenly saw beauty in all kinds of colors with a new vision many speak about. What I saw was too beautiful for words. I was looking at a landscape full of flowers and plants that I couldn't actually name. It all looked hundreds of miles away, and yet I could see everything in detail. It was both far away and close. It was completely three-dimensional and about a thousand times more beautiful than my favorite holiday destination in spring. I was always surrounded by loving spiritual beings of light. Because most people have never read Revelation, they don't realize the earth-like beauty John mentions in his visions of heaven. After this, I saw people from every nation and tribe and people and language. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. He took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. It shone with the glory of God. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb. It flowed down the center of Main Street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, Revelation 7-9. Brad and others claim to see exactly what Scripture says, a beautiful place of mountain streams, trees, apparently amazing grass. Marv Besteman, as a retired bank president, loved to golf. So naturally, what he noticed in heaven was the grass. I saw babies and children and grown-ups of all ages playing and talking and laughing on grass. That was the greenest green I've ever seen. Picture luscious grass at the Masters Golf Tournament and then try to imagine grass far greener and more deluxe. That's how green the grass is in heaven. Flowers and forests forever. At age five, Margaret was misdiagnosed with her scarlet fever. In reality, her appendix had ruptured and the infection took her to the edge of death. One night, says Margaret, this marvelous feeling of peace came over me. I was basking in that because it was so beautiful when suddenly I became aware that someone was holding my right hand. I looked up and my eyes were traveling traveling over a white gown. I came to the head of this beautiful woman. She walked along with me holding my hand. I became aware of a fragrant fragrance in the air that was becoming stronger and stronger. 
It was of flowers, and they just seemed to permeate my whole body. And when I took notice of what was around me besides her, I realized that the path was banked with flowers way over our heads. These flowers were close together the way a colonial bouquet would be, and they were massive. I was just so overwhelmed by the fragrance that I said to her like a little kid, which I was, are these flowers real? She smiled and looked down at me and said, yes, they are. I could see her chuckling, trying to hold back a laugh. After this beautiful woman told her she must go back, it took Margaret a year to recover. Years later, in her 60s, she decided to paint the beautiful arbor pathway of heaven. While painting it, Margaret had to see her doctor. Her doctor mentioned near-death experiences, and she told him she was painting hers. He asked for a reproduction of it, and the doctor ended up hanging Margaret's painting among 10 other pictures in his office. Several weeks later, a new patient named Mary Olivia came into the doctor's office. As a single mom facing a terminal illness with three children, she needed a second opinion. When Mary saw the painting in the doctor's office, she just stood and stared for several minutes before exclaiming to the doctor, I know where this is. He said, you know what that's a picture of? Of course I do. I walked along the path when I was five years old and almost died. Mary relayed how the man capitalized at her request and said he would always be with her as they walked beneath the arbor's beautiful flowers. Did two five-year-olds really walk through the same flower-lined arbor in heaven? Margaret feels God led her to paint that picture because Mary Olivia needed to be reminded, I'm always with you. Scripture tells us of a beautiful heaven, not unlike the flowers and forests of earth, yet so much greater. Dr. Richard Eby considered himself an amateur botanist, and he couldn't even name all the varieties of trees and flowers he saw during his near-death experience. He also noticed a new type of life in the flora. My gaze riveted the exquisite valley in which I found myself. Forests of symmetrical trees unlike anything on earth covered the foothills on each side. I could see each branch and leaf, not a brown spot or dead leaf in the forest. No death there, including the vegetation. They resembled somewhat the tall arbor cedars of North America, but I could not identify them. The valley floor was gorgeous. Stately grass, each blade perfect and erect, were interspersed with white four-petaled flowers on stems two feet tall with a touch of gold at the center. Then I sensed a strange new feel to the stems. No moisture. I felt them carefully, delicately smooth, yet nothing like earthly stems with their cellular water content. Before I could ask again, I had the answer. Earthly water is hydrogen and oxygen for temporary life support. Here, Jesus is the living water. In his presence, nothing dies. I instinctively looked behind me where I had been standing on dozens of blooms. Not one was bent or bruised. Then I watched my feet as I walked a few more steps up the grass and flowers. They stood upright, 
inside my feet and legs. We simply pass through one another. Richard Sigmund, a Messianic Jew, died in a horrible car accident, leaving him with a broken back, neck, both arms, and two ribs puncturing his heart. The medics said he had been dead for about eight hours when they found him. But Richard revived to describe the beauty of heaven and the new life found within. He also mentioned not only how green the grass was, but how alive the grass and flowers seemed with a new kind of light. I was walking through a garden that stretched as far as I could see in either direction. And I saw great groups of people. On either side of the pathway was the richest turf green grass I'd ever seen. And it was moving with life and energy. There were flowers of every imaginable size and color along the path. The air was filled with their aroma and they were all humming. I asked if I could pick one to smell and I was told that I could. It was wonderful. When I put the flower down, it was immediately replanted and growing again. Again, there's no death in heaven. The beautifully manicured park was filled with huge striking trees. They had to be at least 2,000 feet tall, and there were many different varieties. And I read that right, at least 2,000 feet tall. And there were many different varieties. Some I knew, others I had no idea what species they were. There was a continual sound of chimes coming from the leaves of one of the tree, and they brushed against one another. The fruit was pear-shaped and copper-colored. When I picked it, another fruit instantly grew in its place. Then I touched the fruit to my lips. It evaporated and melted into the most delicious thing I had ever tasted. Well, thank you for joining me this week. I wish everyone a blessed week. And next time we'll talk about the living water. Bye.